They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye-bye, bye-bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. This is a bit unprecedented on the podcast. Hugh has just been back in touch with us, having recorded what we thought was an amazing episode already. And I think he's probably just sobered up in the morning and thought... Oh God, what have I done? This is not at all truthful. This is not the depiction I want to give. So Hugh has, uh, has come back because he wants to add, firstly, extra detail into how to prepare for the Dragon's Back and some of the, the kind of more gritty, technical, what would the word be? Um, and, and, and technical advice that can really help you. But also to talk about what his future ambitions are because i know he's incredibly passionate passionate about the welsh language and so he's got a a bit more to add that so kind of welcome back but then in a way still on the same podcast hugh how you doing man you're going and you said sobered up i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far but you know know, yeah long time no speak it's been a good 18 hours (laughs) but yeah let's um um, i mean actually the, the, the more detailed you want to get in terms of kit in terms of preparation in terms of anything that's useful to the listener it is a running podcast after all you know we we, we mince around certain things but actually yeah details great absolutely that's what i thought when i left i was just tired you know day in work <laughs> then that and then you just think back and i thought right because i spent a long time researching i spoke to some top top individuals you know people that have won that race people that have uh worked with team sky and stuff like that with nutrition so i thought i'd, I'd pass on a bit of the stuff that i did did um just, i don't know soak in you know and yeah. hanging around them it just happens through like osmosis almost isn't it like running with joe faulkner i i quizzed him a lot you know the guy that's done this four times and he's 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 the only guy to have ever done to, to have done that to have finished everyone and he used to be a prop forward playing rugby whoa so, you know yeah yeah and you can see it he's got a big frame and you think what the hell is me complaining that i'm too heavy to do this last bullshit straight away, isn't it? it it's all about managing your... Um, like you alluded to yesterday, you know, your, your kit, yourself on the thing, but also your pace. Now, that's the biggest thing. It's, I, I said that yesterday, didn't I? but just to slow down straight off and, and not to um, do any power movements whatsoever. Be very cautious of that from the yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah, number one. Then you've got um, uh, your weight. If I was to do this again, I would drop two stone. That's like 20% of my body weight. I would seriously, you know, and that would be the hell for me. But if I'm serious, if you're serious about trying to do the dragon's back, it is the one factor that will hold you back is if you're carrying any excess weight. You know, I've got a stone of back hair that I could get rid of. That would go <laughs> And, and do you think with, because um, there is sometimes in training a balance between power and and lightness do you are you are you talking just about trying to shed as much i guess excess fat or is it also if you are very muscular that it's worth yeah. actually slimming down on that as well right both of those fat is useless anyway isn't it but there's a there's an argument that muscle helps sometimes it? but with this race i don't think it does it, i'm not saying that the people who do well in this you look at them they look strong 
Mm. They were, but they're wily, you know. They, um, Jim Mann, the guy who was winning the thing, and Marcus Scotney, the guy who actually won it, first and second, they, they weigh probably nine stones something, you know, maybe, wow. maybe even like yeah. So there's nothing of them, but they look strong. There's, don't confuse me. I'm not saying you've got a... Is, is there, there's, a, there's a distinct difference, I think, when you look at a mountain runner and a road runner. Yeah. And you can see it in them almost that their core has to be so a, a bit str- stronger that, that it's all about moving the energy around your body a bit more than it is on the road. And you can see it in their bodies, the way they're made up. So you, you, but you've got to shed as much as you can. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, and that's what I'd try and do that. 100% if I went back, I'd, I'd get out of the gym and just, um, uh, just crack on with running slowly, running slowly for hours and hours and hours. That's it. Um, and I wouldn't do much else really, but all off road. That, that's what I do. Run for hours and hours and hours off road and keep it simple. That's it. And just just um, on the the dropping the weight thing, it, it, it sounds like because of your the time frame, you didn't really have enough time to concentrate on it properly. Is that something that you've you've kind of looked into good ways of doing that, or is it a case of just you know, eating the, the calories you need to train and then letting the weight drop off through the miles you run? Well, well, well I did look into it. I did ask, but I asked too late. I had an interview with Ted Munson, the, the lead nutritionist from Science and Sport, hmm. and that was two months out from the Dragon's Back, which was a little bit too late to start doing this because if you start dropping too much weight, you do lose the ability to train as hard and as long. Hmm. Um, his main tip was to train um it's train fasted training they call it i bet you've heard of it but mm. it's just when you get up in the morning and you run slowly real that the, there's a big emphasis on the pace so you're not ever exerting yourself almost not even out of breath but you go for hours without any food in the morning before breakfast so because you've fasted all night you're tapping into your fat reserves already and then this just it's like a cherry on top you know what i mean so it just really eats into your fat reserves and something I really didn't do not even once I thought it was yeah but then you know it's just a bit uh yeah hasn't been my style in the past so uh, if I was doing it again I would try to do it it'd be very hard you know but um that's the biggest tip that that he he gave Um, and so actually realistically if if you are someone who is is, is carrying more weight than a typical runner, say, and you're going into this race, you should probably extend your training periods by a few months to, to start losing the weight to begin with so that you've then got the the lightness to then start building up the speed and the, the muscle and the power, well, not the, the power and the, the stamina. Yeah, that's it. But even without the, the power, I, I think all you need is stamina and off-road running ability in this race. Hmm. That's what you want. I, I drop all the sort of power, you know, like, um, because uh, in, in, for any other race, all my training is involved, like hill sprints and stuff like that. Everything mm. I've ever done, like, hill sprints is the answer to, to everything. Yeah, World Peace do hill sprints. Yeah, yeah Kim, Kim Jong-il doing hill sprints with, um, uh, where he's called, was he, uh, Donald Trump, and the world would be all right. <laughs> right, right, right. The right way around. Is King Jong-il still alive? Is that the dad that's dead? He is. I think he is still alive. Although, given how long it takes for our episodes to come out, it's possible that he has recently died. In which case, yay! But but if he hasn't, um, well, maybe Trump said, yay! Basically, death is a good thing right now in politics. So, uh, but I, I, 
seems to crop into a lot of your podcasts, doesn't it? I thought this one was just a little bit strange, a little bit weird that it <laughs> hadn't come into it, so I thought I'd bring it back in. That's the main reason I phoned back. <laughs> Although, I mean, I would say to just to um, just to dispute that slightly, um, one thing I would say is is really useful for and from what you were saying, especially about day two, for for trying to get your legs used to the kind of impact they're going to be having up and down hills. Hill sprints downhill and uphill um, can be very, very good just for building resistance in the legs so that you, you can actually wake up without having completely shredded legs after kind of one day of it. Oh, yeah. oh okay. So you, you're saying the hill sprints rather than compared to maybe four hours or five of just running up and down mountains in a, in a sort of sort of steady way. I think I think you want I think you want both really because you 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 absolutely have to build up that, that stamina and you have to build up the the mileage in the legs and but what, if you think about the impact of coming up and down um if you I, I I mean for one I think it's always useful to have different training blocks rather than just be constantly doing the same thing for, just for your your mental state. Oh yeah. Your head, yeah, yeah. But if you break your head, is so important in this race. It's just like, yeah, most of it's there. In fact, if you want it, the, the one key thing, the biggest thing to finish this whole the race is none of the trainers that you've you just got to really want that finish line more than anything. But like mm. you've got to really want to get there. So mm. That's top of all the training because the training is stuff. If you, even if you're in good nick, if if you because you're gonna get injured or something at some point, yeah. Um, but and how how would I mean have you got any advice on how you cultivate that hunger? I think that's something very it's just within personal. Isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, pers- completely personal. Why do you run? Why do you do it? I me mean, for me personally, it's just trying to you know answer all those questions. It's a little, it's a list of tick boxes I've got in my head. Before hmm. I want to answer all those questions before it's too late. Because you know, like people. I see people when they're 60, they realise shit. I've only got one body, it's, and it's running out. It's running out of juice. I've got to start answering these questions. But by the t- if you start doing that when you're older, you know you, you might not be able to answer all the questions that you wanted to. So I reckon so every need, chance you get. So you need to have a midlife crisis, essentially. Yeah, early. You need an early <laughs> midlife crisis. I've already bought a sports car and broken it. You know. I'm only 33. Start hanging um, out in bars with 19-year-olds so you feel inadequate and uh, about yourself, and that probably will spurn you on to have to to prove to yourself something like this. Back, I mean, that, that's, that's my side. excuse. That's my excuse. But <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's an impossible question to answer that one. It's very personal. What gets you <laughs> to the end? Um, the promise of a beer and a bacon sandwich always helps, doesn't it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, back to uh, and Joe Faulkner because I asked him specifically if you mm. were gonna um, give any tip to someone doing this from scratch, and he said, well, no matter what your job is, no matter what you do, you need to, need to get on your feet for for long periods of time. For you're talking all day, you need to be on your feet ten hours plus a day. So if you're at a desk job, start standing. Mm. If you're because a lot of the people who were good uh, throughout the history of fell running, like Josh Naylor, uh, um, he was a shepherd, wasn't he? He was mm. out there and he was standing all day. And Billy Blandy was a builder. He, he was out there 
um, just, you know, they naturally have to stand all day. So they used to be on their feet. So when it's not so much of a shock when they have to run all day on their feet. But, but for if you're a desk jockey like me, you know, it's, um, it's a bit of a shock. It's like a double whammy, isn't it? It's like a spit rope. So it's like you're used to sitting down and all of a sudden, bang, you're running all day. But you're also you're on your feet. So they just the, the fluid doesn't get to drain out. So yeah. I swelled up. My cankles were oh, they were, they were phenomenal by the end of it. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, and and it's it's true. I know a huge number of I know three postmen who are all exceptionally fast runners. It could be a coincidence, but I, I do think there is something in your legs just getting used to that that background noise that then becomes normal. Yeah, yeah, and that that's their norm. That's where they start from, isn't it? That mm. is just day to day life, and then whatever you put up. At, on top of that is just, you know, that's a race. So, yeah, they've got more in their legs, haven't they? Um, so that's one thing that he said, and, and I wholeheartedly agree after after hearing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, and with Kit, um, I'd go for, so my, my shoes that I picked, I went for racing shoes, really light, you know. Like, um, they were S-Lab, Solomon S-Lab hmm. Speed, and they're brilliant over one day, two day. Um, because that's what I was used to, and I thought, oh yeah, I'm used to these now. I'm gonna not gonna change those. But after a cup, after three, four days, they, they, I started to feel a little like every single bump, every single grain of sand that you stand on, you you know about it, you know. So you do really. If I was doing it again, I'd go for the Solomon uh, S Lab Ultras. They, the only or what, whichever whichever shoe choice if you innovate or whatever but go for one with a little bit more padding in this and i know it's not good for mountain running in general because you like you're running on stilettos almost aren't you the higher you are off the ground the less stable you are but and um, do you think you'd start with those from the beginning or do you have enough volume in your bag that it's worth potentially starting with the faster ones and then switching to the, the the ones are more support later on, or are you, are you already in trouble by the time you do that? Right then, okay. So for the dragons back specifically, you've hit something quite um, interesting there because the terrain changes. So for day one, day two, day one especially, you're on rock, you're on you know Griebgorch over just going up to Snowden and Trevan. There's not much grass there. Mm. You want a shoe that is that is capable of, of gripping on wet rock. So, you know, I was in um, pretty much, you, you know, like they had big, that's the quite aggressive trend, mm. not ideal for gripping on rock. So if I was going to change, I'd take two pairs. I wouldn't take two pairs because of the cushioning. I'd take two pairs because of the um, the difference in, in terrain more than anything. Uh, but yeah, 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 that could work as well, you know, uh, towards the end of the race especially because it gets less technical as you go down the dragon's back. So day uh, three and four, especially, they, they turn into long slogs more than um, day, the, the first couple of days. So you could get away with like a, a bit more cushioning and um, uh, and, say, and and sacrifice a little bit of stability because you're not going to be needing it as much. Hmm. So it is actually worth. Does the course change year to year, or it's always the same route? No, 
always always the same. It changed from the first year in 1992. It changed quite a bit, and the structure of the race changed. But that's history, you know. Um, mm. It's quite interesting. Go and have a look if you're into that. But um, uh, nowadays, it's it's a set pattern, and you can get a GPX file downloaded, so you could wreck the exact route. Um, um, and just yeah, so it, it's quite stable nowadays. Um, mm. Yeah, so. And um, is there any advice on kit in terms of bag or um, in, in exactly what to pack or things along those lines or do most, because you only have to handle yourself for the day, do, do most people get that right? Um, the, the biggest thing is to get out of practice, then you'll know what to put in the bag and you know what order to put stuff in the bag because there's certain things you, just never, you never need, you know. Because you know that photo frame of the of the, of the wife. <laughs> I'm always looking at a photo frame of your wife, to be honest, you. So we're differing on that respect, but you see it more often than I do. Wait, but I only got that out twice a day, you know. So you you know I could put that in the middle of the bag, um, but <laughs> no, but but you you know your kit gets there's an order of precedence, isn't it? And mm. you figure that out. The only way to do that is to run for long days day after day and then you'll just soon pick it up because you, you know you, you the first time i did it i think i put my even on a hot day i had my massive waterproofs right on top of everything so i was really reluctant to get the stuff that i actually wanted out which was a sun cream which was a little bit below you know mm. and then i ended up with a hideous tan line um <laughs> so you've got to think about your vanity and as well you know you, you don't want to go around with a, uh, a horrible tan line yeah <laughs> That, I mean, that is absolutely like the true. Effect. Yeah, the butterfly effect of bad packing. <laughs> yeah. That's why there are so many single runners out there. Yeah, because of nasty tan lines. Yeah. <laughs> now, because yeah. you, um, you also mentioned you uh, you really wanted to talk about your your future passions, what you're going to do. In the, I mean, have, have we covered the, the other technical details? Or is there anything else you'd like to really bring out about the race? Um, no, drag, drag, that, that's it. You know, it does what it says in the thing. You've just got to train, train for a long time and train slow and steady. And that's it. Um, Phil, the guy that I was talking about yesterday, he, he went from scratch um, to getting 11th in the Dragon's Back, literally from scratch. He'd run a half marathon before before this. Um, and he ran 15K before breakfast. No, 15K before work, 15K after work for six months every day before the dragon's back and he nailed it so mm. and, and that was slow steady mm. so it just showed what you need right there that's, that's a recipe for success in the dragon's back along you know the navigation and stuff that you, you that is intrinsic noise it's written into the race in it mm. um, or in over the mountains it's uh, part and parcel but the training that's about it um but yeah, so I, I, I was just thought, thought yesterday when you said, right, what next? Do you want to become a, a journalist and blah, blah? No, I really don't. What I want, I'm because I'm, I'm, I'm an engineering lecturer, I love engineering, and I, and I know that's where I'm going to be for, you know, the rest of my life. Yeah. But, um, and, and what all started all this with, you know, like Ultimate Hell Week and stuff like that, it's been a hell of an adventure. And it's just been trying to answer those questions and you know realizing life's too short not to like have a go and just do whatever's in front of me and it just it sort of ended up it's like a butterfly effect domino effect and it's ended up all right so i'm going to carry on doing whatever's right in front of me if it leads to more stuff then great brilliant um for instance you know the, the film 
that just you know on S4C. Um, mm. There's talks of maybe a, another couple of ones, a couple of films um, in the pipeline. So that's brilliant. I said that I'd love to do that, but just as a hobby. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Nothing. I don't want it to take over my life. No way. Um, but one thing I'm going to do in everything that I do um, is bring the Welsh language because it's a very important aspect of who I am and I, and I and I know how precious it is really it's better, and, and running the dragons back race I'm, if anyone does it you'll soon see what I mean because it's it's more than just because it is on the decline people say it's not there's a lot of stats that say it's not but it is it's in in decline in uh, everyday life hmm. you know if you you're walking down the streets and the chavs are threatening you in English in uh, <laughs> in Caernarvon, then there's something wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, so it is on the decline and it does need work. You know, we need something needs to be done. So this is my little bit. I want to just do everything I can um, in Welsh um, and in the dragon's back. It is it's written into the landscape. You know, the, the Welsh language is is a a vessel for so much more. It's not more than language because it's just, it carries our history, heritage, our culture. And it's, I say, it was written in the, in the landscape. And it is, you know, you, 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 you talk about the first OS maps that came about. This is just one example I'm going to pick out. It, there was, you run, you run over towards Trevan from Ogwen um, cottages. In, in Snowdonia now, and you pass this thing on the OS maps, it says the nameless cum. Now, that cum, a cum is like a, a dead-end valley. Mm. And it's not nameless. That, that cum there is called cum knevion. It's called it in Welsh. And, and that, that, that just means the um, shearing cum. So it's where the shepherds historically used to take all their, all their flocks and just used to pin them there and then used to shear them every year. And it, that's 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 just what people think, you know. The the, the name alludes to that. But then just it's, it's not much, but that's a little nugget there of history, isn't it? And just in one fell swoop, those first people, um, the the OS people who came over hundred years ago, whatever, hmm. just out of, not out of probably not out of maliciousness, they didn't try to do it, but they've just sort of erased a bit of history there, haven't they? Just gone, and. Uh, it's, it's, it's one thing that I, I'd like to try and sort of highlight. And the Dragon's Back race organisers are, re, are, are brilliant. They appreciate this and they're taking it on board. And their map, their map is better than all the OS maps with regards to, but not not just its technical um, makeup and how how effective it is, but also in that it uses a lot of correct Welsh names and old Welsh names that might have been deleted off um, uh, the OS maps and stuff. And that that that. Um, name thing that have been erased. It's all over the, the Welsh landscape. I'm sure it'd be up in Scotland as well. And um, it's just trying to uh, almost raise awareness of that and and uh, um, and stop it. I don't know, <laughs> or, or bring the old ones back because it's it's quite cool, isn't it? That that little that little nugget, that little corner of Wales there, has got a bit of history no one knows about because the name is gone. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's quite interesting to hear from an outsider's point of view because, to a certain extent, I don't know how much we can we can do to help, or you know, the, as, as a as a listener, or or even as an observer, because ultimately it, it's probably going to come down to the will of the Welsh people, um, 
rather than anyone else. So, or, you know, will the fact that we visit Wales or we try and embrace certain aspects of different Welsh culture, will that have a positive effect or is it something that you feel is just more of an internal battle? Oh, 100%. You know, if someone goes there and you, and you embrace it, you know, you know, it's like going abroad, isn't it? Um, if you go to Italy, Spain, whatever, and you just try and speak that language, the locals, they change, don't they? they, they there's a there's a smile on their faces and they'll, they'll try and have a bit of Italian banter with you that you have no idea what they're saying. But, you know, they try and it's the same over there. Um, and every little helps. There's... It's, it's not there's not an easy fix, is there? Because a lot of people have been trying to solve this. And mm. it's not just where it's, you know, the, the world is turning into this sort of American blob in it with YouTube. All the kids, they, they just watch YouTube. That's how they pick up their accents. They pick up their, their their language from that. And it's turning into like American English, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, I don't want to come across as, you know, like, um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's global, just globalization is, you know, it's, it is homogenizing everything, really, isn't it? So, yeah, there's, yeah. No good, there's some good things, but then absolutely there are some negative, and certainly losing culture is never a positive. No, no, embracing other other cultures is brilliant, and that part of globalization, other people moving in, um, uh, like you can go into the Chinese shop in uh, in the Frenantha, uh, and that you, you go there and you get the deepest North Walian Welsh accent coming back here, uh, asking what, sort, what, do you, what do you want with your sweet and sour chicken? You know, and it, it's a shock. It's an amazing shock. It's brilliant. Um, so that side of it is brilliant. It, but it's, yeah, trying to, trying to protect the cult- various cultures is, is a massive uphill struggle, isn't it? Um, but, you know, you've got to do your bit, haven't you? You've got to do your bit. And uh, I, don't, I certainly don't want to see it go away. Yeah, well, well, good luck with that, Hugh. And if if Welsh isn't around in 20 years' time, I will blame it purely on you. My, my fault. Mate, Tom Jones as well. He can't speak Welsh, can he? Him and, and him, you, Tom Jones, Shirley Bassey and Charlotte Church have got a lot to answer for. Yeah. Gareth Bale. He might be. No, he can't. He's got a nice pony. Oh, yeah, he's Welsh as well, isn't he? Of course. <laughs> That's, that's the that's, we were traveling around the world. That's the only reason, the reason people knew where Wales was. You were in Vietnam and you were like, yeah, yeah, we're from Wales. And they would no, they no expression, you know, nothing. <laughs> and then you go, Gareth Bale, ah, Gareth Bale, yeah, and you'd be getting high fives and you're like, yeah, there we go. So he has put us on the map. <laughs> well, and, wait. Um, one important point, like the Wind magazine, which is a new magazine. Uh, it's it's an amazing art um based running magazine i don't yeah. know if you've seen it yeah absolutely yeah they're, oh they're brilliant they have they've done exactly what we're talking about there and embraced it they want to publish a welsh language article um based vaguely based on the dragon's back race so um hats off to them uh for, for doing that well in that vein can you quickly give us the welsh for fuck you buddy uh well right it doesn't directly translate but Kerry Gravir Cachur would kind of work. Putting Blau the Nine Cunt. Those would equally. Putting Blau the Nine Cunt. Okay, right. Don't don't repeat that to um, <laughs> uh, anyone. Anyone. You know, let alone the thousand plus listeners. No, the three listeners that you've got on this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but 
you can get away with it because, right, okay, th- there is an endearment term in Caernarvon, where I'm from, and that the C word, the Welsh version of that, is actually, it's, it's like, all right, mate, how's it going? And you can literally use it in the street, and it's like, all right, mate, what's up? What's up? Yeah. So if you're in Caernarvon, you're all right. <laughs> well, next time I'm there, next time I'm there, I'm going to be uh, painting the town red with my, blue is it red? Blue, blue with my phrases. So, um, well, thank you so much for coming back on and clarifying a little bit more detail about the Dragon's Back and also about oh. passion for the Welsh. Loving it. Absolutely loving it. I like yours as well. Yeah, it's good to have it from outside, you know, and, and hearing that, uh, that people are game to, to, I don't know, like like the wind in it. Have a Welsh language article in their English magazine. Brilliant. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thanks. You will. Um, thanks again for your help um, and for your clarification. And uh, fuck you, buddy. Hey, fuck you, buddy, as well. Kerry Graver Cachor. Cheers, man. Have a nice one, uh, f- Fuck you, buddy. Admit I was a clone to be messing around But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town Come back Yes, and